This is exactly right. This is our last show of the 2018 fall tour. <laughs> Amazing. I did a real gross dance about it uh, backstage. Yeah. Do it, Georgia. No. Let uh, them see your backstage. It was it was a little more crude, but this is the stage. She was in plain Spanx. That's right. How did you like that? I came out of it the... It was fun. I came and I spanked saw, and... <laughs> in my, right in my peripheral vision, I thought there was an old lady. <laughs> but it was Georgia, and she pulled her bicycle spanks up to the bottom of her bra. Kind of a... They're a nude flesh tone. Wait, wait, wait. No. My, my spanks go up to the bottom of my bra. Oh, that wasn't do. special oh. for you. Truly. You listen. They go up to here. <laughs> yes. I didn't realize they do that because I wear a scuba suit under all my dresses, <laughs> so I just figure. Mm -hmm. I thought you were doing bikini spanks. No. That's <laughs> how I look underneath this. It looked really good. Thank you. Your spanks pulled up to the bottom of your bra, and then she was just going like this behind me. like. <laughs> and she, there was no reaction at first, and she kind of looked me up and down and, went, and then laughed. <laughs> Because when I don't wear my glasses, I can see to about here. And then everything else is a funny blur that people are doing for me. Just a nice presentation. Meanwhile, poor Vince is behind us on the couch, just ignoring us. Ignoring. Just trying to get things taken care of. That's right. Doing an actual job as we're like, what a Robin! <laughs> Listening to some Robin back there. That's right. <sighs> <laughs> oh, wow. What a gorgeous rug. Oh. Uh, truly, just in the so. fall shades of mauve. Autumnal. Taupe. Autumnal. That's my least Damn. favorite word, and it's the word I say the most. Which is? Autumnal. Oh, yeah. Because it's just so dumb, I can't stop saying it. You know that thing? 
autumnal. Because you just you hate it so much that you have to keep saying yeah, it. Yeah, like I over. say it as a joke, but then I just that's all I say. I think I might do that with moist. <laughs> it's such a it's such a terrible word. It puts all these ideas into your head. What? Unwanted thoughts. No. Do do no we? moist. It's so moist in this autumnal air. No, it's not. It's autumnal it, air. It's inaccurate. <laughs> I can't stand how inaccurate your weather forecast is. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> this one's going to go off the fucking rails. Right. Let me just tell you this right now. I'm sorry. I have to pre-apologize. When we hit the stage last night, um, which was super fun. It was in Atlanta. It was as if we'd never done a show before. We were, <laughs> Truly. we were just staring at each other like, what, aren't you going to say anything? What? Go. Right before we walked on stage, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Shit. <laughs> and then she was like, I don't we know, we'll just stories. Go. I was like, okay, great. I'm like, Karen, take care of it. So I came <laughs> out and I was just like, go ahead. I don't know. And I was like, oh, let's see. I did drugs one time. I got <laughs> drunk one time. I was a rebellious child. What about, oh, I did something in my hotel room today that I've never done in a hotel room before. Let's fucking hear all about it. Hi. <laughs> right? I fucking, like maybe, and of course it's the last show of 2018 that I do this. Can I guess? Yeah. You masturbated on a pillow? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that would work. <laughs> Sorry, every time I go into a hotel room, which was now constantly, they always have a decorative pillow. Oh. And then in my mind, I just flash through like 30 dudes that have jerked off onto it. No! Simply because they can. Why? Face it, this is reality. And then she licks the remote control and she's ready to go. <laughs> you take things and you put them in the corner and then you like fold things down. Then you start the... Wiping of surfaces. Oh, God. Sorry, did I ruin your game? I'm sorry. No, it was just yoga, but now it feels stupid. <laughs> I'm so sorry I fucking bit your yoga story right in half. It wasn't a great story. Oh, shit. And then I masturbated on okay. a pillow. That's all, that's all we want to know. Women aggressively masturbating oh. around hotel rooms as a form of revenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, and maybe this is why I came up with that so quickly, I recently... <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no, no. This is going to get weird. Yeah, let's stop recording now. Just, this is going to be a private, uh -huh. a private performance. This is a private um, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> this is between you and us and no one else. Yeah. It stays in this huge room. <laughs> in, this, in this 17 level Star Wars style auditorium. <laughs> my dad, I sent my dad a video of we came out um, onto the stage beforehand and we're like, oh shit, how is this happening? And I took a quick video of, for my dad and I sent it and in two hours I'm going to get a text that says, how many seats? Because that's all he cares about. <laughs> It's like he's boiled this whole thing down to stats mm. and he just wants to know how many seats are in every house that we're filling. Is it better than the night before? Is it worse? Are we winning or losing? Do I still love you or not? Let right. me know. He's like, I need to figure out what to get you for Christmas, how many seats were in that theater last night. <laughs> just get me the two Starbucks gift cards, oh, Dad. Yeah. You're, just, you're still killing it. <laughs> 
Why two Starbucks gift cards? Uh, I didn't tell you that story. Maybe. In the saddest time when like my dad, my mom was sick and my dad had to take over all the mom duties oh, and was not prepared and couldn't do it. We had a Christmas where my sister got a ton of great shit. And of course my niece Nora got everything she could have wanted. And I got two Starbucks gift cards. <laughs> Uh, they were each for $50. So wow. I get $100 at Starbucks. No one needs that. That's like two years. And then 15 at Sephora. <laughs> I was just like, fuck off. This what? won't get me in the door at Sephora, friend. I'm middle-aged. Nothing worth $15 is worth anything to my face oh at my Sephora. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, thanks, Dad. Oh. All the things I wanted. My dad once got me. My parents are really bad at gift-giving. My dad once got me, and he wrapped it um, like a port or a like trash, what's it called when you can throw things away after Recycling they're done? Recycling bin? No. Uh, the garbage? Essentially like an under-the-sink uh, reusable... Oh, trash compactor? No. Shit. Fire extinguisher. What? <laughs> it was like a can that you can just use once and throw it away. Oh. Yeah, like a... <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that is. I don't, but either I I don't know what that you. is either. We should call my dad and ask him. It's a one-off fire extinguisher? Yep. That's how much anxiety happens in my family. <laughs> and it was like, it was like definitely a made-for-TV uh, product kind right. of a thing. And then my mom once got me a, like a, a flashlight that you plug in in case of emergencies. We just have anxiety. They should just pay for my therapy instead of buying me fucking presents. Yeah. How about we get out of the emergency realm of gift giving and into the gift part where of things you want when things aren't on fire right. or burning down, right. when there's not an earthquake. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly, exactly right. right. Um, um, it's okay. Steve, Steven's not here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Steven. We can't bring him. His writer is too demanding. Yeah. It's, you wouldn't believe. He demands to get eight cats in every city that That's we right. go to. And they have to be different cats, yeah. too, of like varying ages and cuteness, and their names have to all be kind of adorable, and they have to have hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> they have to have their own social media accounts. Right. Pre-set up. Yeah, so I, I do that. Yeah. He just takes care of my cats. It's insane. And then just clogs my story feed on my Instagram yeah. with the most insane shit <laughs> <laughs> that I love. Cat content? Lots of my cats and dinosaur un unboxing videos. <laughs> do you know he does that? What? Dinosaur unboxing videos. You're being serious? I swear to God. Oh, I thought you threw three hilarious nouns for Steven together. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> No, I watched my in my living in my own living room as he as he opened a toy from like a Jurassic Park thing. <laughs> it was cute. But <laughs> well, now my living room has the memory of, of being unboxed in Jurassic Park. Unboxed against its will, <laughs> like so many hotel rooms. <laughs> Listen. This is uh, my favorite murder. The We're podcast. a true crime comedy podcast. Thank you. This is, this is Karen Kilgariff. And this is Georgia Hardstart. <laughs> oh, thank you. This is our last tour of 2018, so fucking nothing Plugin. matters. So call your girl. Everything goes. Spanks up to pull. the top. Your spanks up. Pull, pull, your spanks up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know? Hey, what are you, besides uh, full body spanks, what are you wearing? Oh. 
Thanks for asking. <laughs> well, that's interpretive. It's a little bit, there is a coming on to drugs feel right yeah. now. I feel but like. I assure you and all the police in Austin that I am not on drugs. I just have a dress with pockets in it. That's it. <laughs> Oh, you're getting good at that. I just did this. <laughs> what? Oh no. No. Oh no. And then they're gonna yell. It's asshole time. Uh, <laughs> I finally gave up wearing. I wore black clog boots for two years of touring because my sister hated them so much, and I thought it was hilarious. Even though she was at like two of the 15 shows we did. Yeah. And she, but every once in a while she'll she'll like sneak on Instagram and look, and then she'll be like. The dress was cute, but fuck those boots. <laughs> and then I, that alone would just like warm my heart. I could go right to sleep. <laughs> but then I got these and they're better. So I had to let that go. You're growing. You're growing and changing. I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to change. I love it. Thank you. What about your outfit, Georgia? I have a thing on. It's black. There's my wedding shoes. Uh, yeah. I've decided not that next year I'm not wearing black dresses anymore. I, I, it's, it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I promise. Also, it's not a discussion. There's like <laughs> six different women were like, so, sorry, so hold on, then what does that mean? Do you guys get refunds? I already got my tickets. <laughs> uh, I just, you have to understand, my closet, I love clothes. It's this much fucking couch material grandma dresses, vintage, some of like crazy old salty women who in the past I've bought these from. And then there's this little section of like show dresses of these sad black dresses that I found <laughs> and I'm like, I guess this'll do. I, I bought so many just to be like, maybe, cause it's not my thing, I'm not a goth. But you know what's hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she finally admitted it. She's not a goth. I'm a raver! What I love is that <laughs> I'm a raver. Well, then the next tour is all rave clothes. Yes! Finally! Humongous jeans. We just taught, we meaning me, just taught Karen the term speaker tweaker. <laughs> yeah. That she loves. Yes. That you ravers will know as someone who fucking get, gets up on the speaker and just is on so many drugs that it just feels great to your ears and your body. Yeah, yeah exactly. Careful. So Karen's now a speaker tweaker. I'm a natural speaker tweaker. Um, oh, but what I was going to say is oh, yeah. it's funny because we are the ones that made up the rule yeah. that we have to wear a black dress. Totally. We made it up. And then George is like, look, I can't do it anymore. And then I'm like, <laughs> no, you fucking have to. It's all, this is all made up. And I didn't decide till the one weekend where you wore a print dress. And I was like, we can do that? <laughs> well, I'm going to do it then, too. <laughs> no, no uh, more. No more. We won't be... Uh, Slaves, uh, to, slaves our, to ourselves? I don't know. Our own dumb ideas? <laughs> it's worked so far. Um, should we sit down? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Look at these. Are these our friends from... Uh, these are nice. Andy Cohen? Andy Cohen's... I bet they are. You Did you know, hear that story? Do we know... We, so Andy Cohen and... Uh, Anderson Cooper. Thank you. Uh, they tour and we're like, I guess we're like following behind them on their tour because <laughs> they, they like refuse to sit in plebe chairs. So they send these like fucking nice chairs to every city, but they're too, it doesn't make fiscal sense for them to send them on. They just leave them there. Just and leave so them we behind. keep getting these really nice Andy Cohen, Anderson Cooper. Oh, 
Uh, Shit. Uh, with full up and down action. <laughs> what we're Are all you going to stay for. down there? Yeah, come on down. It's a real, it's a real relief. I don't really want to. Other side, thank you. Oh, yeah. Do you want to go back up? I want to go back up. Okay. This is a uh, half an hour of the show. Because <laughs> so you need to go to the bathroom or go leave, you know. There is adjusting that you have to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just really hurt my back. That yoga was pointless <laughs> that I did earlier. <laughs> what um, type of yoga did you do? Hot? <clears throat> well, the heater was on. Okay. So I just did I just did a video which I fucking never do. Like okay. truly my phone was like, Are you sure you weren't trying to <laughs> I think you touched the wrong button. Yeah, yeah. You were trying to watch videos of your cats. Are you sure you wanna yoga? But I did it. I did it. Was it a lady? It was a lady. It was like a twenty minute stretch flow situation. I sh- I can show you right do now. Do it. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the best content for a podcast. And this woman <laughs> She was so po- this woman was so positive, bless her heart, uh, that she was playing, you know, positive. The sitar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one point in my head I went, oh, fuck off. But then I was like, don't do that, Georgia. That's not positive. Don't resist the positivity yeah, and I the sitar. It. I like to do yoga um, in the privacy of my own home because I just pretend that I'm not myself. Oh. So like I sit down, I'm like, this is going to be great with like a really open face and attitude, <laughs> which normally then there's the real me sitting like two behind me. That's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Get off the ground. Why is her face so open? Turn the TV back on <laughs> now. We haven't watched all the British procedurals yet. <laughs> There's got to be one left. Stop improving yourself immediately. But I was going to tell you, I just started doing a thing where it's the, um, a journey through the seven chakras. No. <laughs> I swear to God. I have opened There's my root seven? fucking chakra. Which one's that? It's Number... the fucking bottom. Oh. Open. Open your butt. Like a fucking baboon. You wouldn't... <laughs> Believe what's happening down there. Oh, man, I think you should close that. I'm going to. Now that we talk it through, I have to shut it. That's some portal of hell shit. That's... Anything could get in there. Yeah. You don't want to... We're always traveling. Our immune systems are probably (laughs) fucked up. I would would avoid opening any... Shut it down? Chakras. Uh Uh-huh. Permanently? Mm Mm-hmm. And then just kind of cement over my third eye and forget about it? Don't go in there. Don't go inside. It's not safe. No, I'm, ha- I'm really happy for you. I'm, I'm trying to be <laughs> supportive. Late. I'm trying to be supportive. It's okay. I'm happy for you. Thanks. <laughs> you can't say I'm happy for you, but not move your mouth. And, ha- you. and then I'm supposed to believe it. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. I always do that. I'm a bad liar. Whenever I'm lying, I just don't know what I'm I said, how are you? How are you? Oh, I said, how are you? Congratulations right. on your yoga journey. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're getting super spiritual, so <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> the next season of tours is just going to be a one large <sighs> yoga class. We're going to, it's just going to, chakras are going to, it's just going to smell real it's bad. It's going to smell. <laughs> it is so many, so uh, much unwashed Lululemon. Yeah. We're going to happen upon that eighth chakra. And what? just be like, oh, whoa, we didn't even know. The anyway. B.O. chakra? <laughs> um, mm. You go first, mm. I go first. You go first. Oh, yeah, we, 
We forgot to make this announcement last oh, yeah. night. That's how off Ugh. kilter we Could are. Could have gone real bad. Um, we understand there's people here who have never listened to our podcast before, and yeah. they are confused and probably a little bit angry right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true crime comedy podcast. That's right. What does that mean, Karen? Well, it um, can be a very complex combination of topics and feelings mm. um, because we are talking about the worst things that could happen to people in the world mm -hmm. while simultaneously and, and um, kind of parallel to that, we are making each other laugh about... <laughs> about things. Stupid um, shit, mostly. Yeah. We don't think that murder is funny. We don't think that uh, people being killed is funny. We just think that we're funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Thank you. That's my first step into positivity. <laughs> and so sometimes that can be a difficult combination. There's people that get offended by that or they don't know us enough to trust us to do it. Um, they, they tense up, they, they reject it or whatever. So we just want to say now to those people, you can get the fuck out because we don't need you. <laughs> yeah, that was my root shock or talk. <laughs> that came from my the mm. bottom of my soul. <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and 
be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code space 80 Goodbye. Goodbye. okay you're first i'm first tonight <sighs> this it looks long because i made it a 16 font because i think i might be going blind <laughs> i can't fucking see anything anymore oh no yes how's that gonna my 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 spanx jokes aren't gonna land no I'm just going to have to go with you and like just agree with whatever you tell me you're showing me. I am so funny right now. <laughs> Trust me. Um, so I, tonight I'm going to do the story of Robert Elmer Class Cleason, the real Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> There's a real one? Now, as we all know, and uh, as fans and lovers of true crime... They like to um, do that. They, they like to compare things to other things and be like, this is the real. This is the original one. This is the original. Um, but you will find as you hear the story that it's just kind of a couple of uh, items that, that combine the story. And in fact, that uh, Toby Hooper did not base his film on this because this actually happened after three months after Texas Chainsaw Massacre Ow. was released. Come on. But yet the since, name stuck. Yeah. They, it's you know what it is. I got it from a British uh, series oh. called Real Stories, and they'll fucking say anything they about this care. country. They're so mad that we became independent. So, <laughs> oh yeah, this movie. Let's just start in, in the fun part. This movie. Uh, there's an article um, from 2004. Uh, that was written by a guy named John Bloom for the Texas Monthly Magazine, which I personally love. We get a lot of good research from mm -hmm. Texas Monthly. It's real good um, magazine. So he, John Bloom, you know, it was 14 years ago, but he wrote this amazing article basically about how Texas Chainsaw Massacre got made. And I'll read you the first sentence of that article. It's, in 1973, a ragtag group of Texans scrounged up $60,000 and created a film so violent and visionary that it shocked the world. And Damn. it was filmed right in and around Austin, Texas. Shit. Yes. Anyways. Um, and it is not just probably the most legendary horror film of all time, it's the most financially successful film in the history of Texas. Wow. Did you know that about your, your, this is, come on, cheer for your fucking home team. <laughs> Spend next when you spend sixty grand on a fucking movie. Yeah. When a ragtag group of people get together, sixty grand scrounge together. Some old Texan hippies come together and fucking at, literally torture actors so it looks like they're being tortured. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, Toby Herbert's inspiration for this movie, of course, was Ed Gein, and it was also Dean Coral and Dean Coral's accomplices who Jesus. procured people for him and all that fucked up shit. Um, so there's plenty of inspiration. He yeah. didn't need to go anywhere else. But uh, 
um, just to connect the two. <laughs> I guess we have to stop talking about this now. Um, <laughs> three Great. months after the movie premiered, another psycho took up residence in Austin, Texas. Oh. He didn't wear a mask made of human skin, no. <laughs> of an actual human face, actually. Um, oh, there's a super fucked up story that Toby Hooper tells no. that a doctor who was a resident at a, uh, that he knew, um, the, he got the idea for Leatherface because a doctor told him a story about when he was a resident and in the um, uh, ER. coroner's office or whatever, uh -huh. he cut the face off of someone uh, on a Halloween Why? and wore it as a mask. No! Did he get fired? Did he get fired? <laughs> I'm sorry to say no, he's the uh, Surgeon General of the America <laughs> right now. He was Trump's top pick for oh. Surgeon General. Sounds about right. So we're back into my really dramatic intro. So, <laughs> no, this man was not wearing a human face over his own face. Okay. He was a quiet, unassuming, church-going man. They always are. And his name was Robert. Elmer Cleason. Okay, so he's born in, uh, on September 20th, 1934 in Buffalo, New York. To... Interesting. <laughs> to a mentally ill father and a homemaker mom. <laughs> and he's an only child, and his father... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> oh, they never get to do that. <laughs> Let them do it. It wasn't just one person, I like know. seven only children just cheered for themselves. They've been waiting. They're all here alone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> they never learn how to make connections. Yeah. No. That was damn it. They're here to connect. <laughs> <laughs> Playing little video games by themselves. And like, I don't want ketchup on it. Why is there ketchup yeah. on it? Because other people exist. <laughs> Okay. They never cheered again. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that was our clutch, our clutch group. Yeah. Okay. His father, who's a paranoid schizophrenic, loves guns. And oh. so then he raises his only child to also love guns. Ay. What could go wrong? <laughs> Magical. Mm. In 1950, when he's 16 years old, he jumps on a nail. Uh. It's an accident. Why? So, it, accidentally. Okay. So I should have put that in there. And his mom <laughs> takes him to the emergency room. Uh -huh. But um, after a while, they're made to wait because it's an emergency room. There's bigger emergencies, turns out. Uh -huh. um, so he gets impatient. He punches his mom, walks out to the car, grabs a gun, no. and comes in shooting into the emergency what room. What the fuck? Yes, this is in Buffalo. So um, luckily, no one was hurt. And luckily, they sent him to a psychiatric hospital. For, but just for two shit. years. Uh, you know, to kind of rinse it out. Um, <laughs> just a quick visit. I'm sure it was a very tender place full of caring, normal things that yeah. people got ice baths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 70s mental hospitals. Oh, Not ideal. No. Um, so he gets out, he exhibits, he continues to exhibit strange behavior. It turns out eventually he is also diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, just like his dad. Um, in 1971, at the age of 37, he earns his sociology degree. Oh, good. Okay. Listen, 
As Look. someone who's never earned shit, congratulations. Fair Whatever enough. year you do it, God bless America. Do it. Fair. fair. That's a fair. Right? Yeah. Look, it took him 28 years. That doesn't matter. He's still a sociologist. <laughs> okay. So he celebrates that by getting into an argument with a guy and shooting him in the foot. <laughs> Celebrate. Good yeah. times. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So Rob Bob gets arrested, uh, but he jumps bail, and he decides it's time for me to go to Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. So he shows up and immediately starts hanging out at the taxidermy shop in Austin, uh, coincidentally named Austin Taxidermy. <laughs> you might. What a weird coincidence. Yeah. Um, so he's very interested in taxidermy. I think I have this picture. Oh, he's, no. a he's a big hunter, obviously. He likes to hunt and he likes to ah! kill huge animals and hang them on walls. He likes to pose near them too. He puts them up as high as he can so that he has to stretch to touch them. <laughs> and that makes him feel like a giraffe. <laughs> Yay, I'm an animal too. Oh my God. Okay. For when I first yeah. saw this picture, I thought that over there was a towel rack, and I'm like, is this this motherfucker's <laughs> bathroom? I was so excited. Oh my God. Can you imagine? You You're know like, where this will look great? <laughs> in my vaulted ceiling bathroom. In my bathroom. <laughs> With the ducks. Oh, you may. All of those animals are just like, run! Yeah. Okay, so. So he starts hanging out at Austin Taxidermy. He, um, he's a, first he's a, um, a, I was gonna say a patient. He's a customer, <laughs> sorry. He's a customer. Um, but then he starts to hang out there and he asks the owner if he would teach him how to become a taxidermist himself. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so he kind of follows the owner around and learns how to use all the machines. Um, and then when he finds himself without a place to live, the owners offer, they say, you can live in the trailer behind the taxidermy oh, shop. So he's he just said, getting those sweet fumes yes. right up into his just, he's just fucking nose. He's just saturating himself in his dream. Yeah. In his dream of dead animals being stuffed. Great. So like a cartoon creep, he moves into a trailer behind a taxidermy <laughs> shop. All by himself. Great. And then his next step, because he's like, all right, I'm in Austin. Um, I'm, I, I'm hanging out at a taxidermy shop like all the hot young guys do. Um, then he starts telling people that he's a Korean War veteran, that he was... Um, Is there a, a baby? <laughs> Is there a baby that doesn't like my story? <laughs> Wait, shush, shush. Everyone shush. <laughs> nope. It's a ghost, baby. It was. <laughs> okay. That is the baby that killed another baby and now haunts this theater. <laughs> this college is so fucked up. Is this ghost baby college? <laughs> Have you gone to ghost, the fighting ghost babies? <laughs> they, win, they win every game because everyone's like, holy fuck, that yeah. baby's dead. This is insane it's i don't i think it's inappropriate that they made their mascot a ghost baby but yep. i don't make the rules it's Texas. times were different they do what they, they want yeah. down here it's weird <clears throat> um he starts telling people he's a korean war um 
uh, fighter pilot. Oh. Yeah, veteran fighter pilot. Okay. Um, who shot down enemy aircraft in Korea, claims he's um, in the French Foreign Legion. Why not tack that on? <laughs> that he has three PhDs. He speaks six foreign languages fluently. He was involved in the Bay of Pigs. Jesus. <laughs> he, he was responsible for the assassination of Che Guevara. That's a brag. Um, <laughs> Bob. He claims he uh, once was court-martialed for flying under bridges. Like like Sully, but a rebel. (laughs) And then, of course, his big lie is he tells everybody he's ex-CIA. Now, here's a hard and fast rule for this life. Mm. If someone starts telling you that they are ex-CIA, they are mentally ill. (laughs) Yeah. Bar none. Yeah. Because the whole thing about being in the CIA is you don't fucking brag about it. It's like Fight Club. It's totally Fight Club. It's governmental Fight Club. That's right. Zip the lip. Yeah. CIA style. Yeah. That's the whole fucking point of being in the CIA is you don't tell people that. Yeah, yeah. Do I need to underline it again? Watch the movie True Lies and you'll fucking know what it's like. You'll see what Arnold was up against. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Fucking all he wanted to do was tell her about his life. <clears throat> and it drove them apart, and then it brought them together <gasps> outside of a helicopter. This should be a movies podcast, I think. Yep, let's change it. So, now he's got taxidermy, now he's got stolen valor. What's the third d- horse in this trifecta? That's right, the Church of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking... <laughs> Whoa, I was not going to guess that yeah. one. Yeah, he's like, how do... How am I going to lock this down and be the most popular guy in Austin? I'm going to pluck this one from the fucking tree. What's this? Oh. Uh What's this ripe berry from the top of the tree? Yep, he joins the LDS, and um, so he actually gets baptized into the church, and hot stuff, and then he (laughs) makes a bunch of uncomfortable acquaintances that are like, it's great to meet you. Why are you here? Why are you here? I made a hot dish. Go over there and eat it, please. (laughs) I don't want to. I made you funeral potatoes, but I don't want to bring them to you. Um, So, of course, in December of 1973, he gets arrested for wrestling bison. (laughs) You knew it. You knew I was going to say it. I'm sorry. Wait, for real? Or is that another lie he made up? <laughs> no, it's real. Oh, my God. He doesn't it's, even need to lie. No. Why are you lying? He's so Here. ridiculous. Here's oh. his mugshot from um, wrestling uh, bison. He shit. didn't wrestle them. He couldn't wrestle them. I don't think it's called wrestling when a bison beats the shit out of you. <laughs> he looks like someone I've dated. <laughs> Does he look a little like bit. Carl Urban, star of Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> no. Call your girlfriend. <laughs> Tell me um, Whoops. I mean, I'm just saying if you lived in Austin, you were just like a young waitress just trying to see what was going on. You went to high school with everybody and it's all the same people. And then uh-huh. this fucking guy moves to town. Uh-huh. The He's bison rustler. Talking about bison. You're just like, what kind of plane did you fly in Korea? Again? <laughs> wow, tell me more about the CIA. <laughs> all the secrets that you just keep 
Tell me about those secrets. <laughs> Do you have one of those suitcases that shoots people? <laughs> That's the first question I would ask. <laughs> so he gets arrested and he goes to jail, but none of his Mormon friends come and visit him oh. and they don't Guys. get him a lawyer. Guys. So he becomes super enraged in jail. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jewish or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just picks another religion. Yeah. You know who come to my aid? L'chaim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, who, just whoever will show up. He's no, like, we'll show up. We'll come get you from jail. Will you? Mm-hmm. Do you promise you, me right now? Bring a fucking kugel, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot dish. <laughs> Trying to shove a casserole dish through the bars. Eat the kugel! Eat yes, it. I, there's raisins in it. It's weird. It'll it's make just, you feel better. I like it. <laughs> Eat it. Eat the kugel. Wait, is kugel a casserole that has raisins? It's a, it's a noodle casserole. It's kind of sweet, but we eat it with dinner. It's not dessert, and we put white raisins in it. And, like, what else, though? It's just like a good, like a custard. It's weird. What is wrong with that? And I love gefilte fish, too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's horrified by that. <laughs> anyway. This but you is make neither, great bread. This is neither here nor there. That's very true. Um, where are we? I don't know. So, oh, okay. No one's getting him help, and no one's coming to visit him. Right, it's his he's entire not Jewish. Mor- yeah, right. Mormon church is like, sorry, I didn't see your text. <laughs> it's just a whole, it's 300 people that are like, what? You texted me? That's crazy. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. The one thing you automatically get and check yep. every four seconds all I day long. Didn't get. I just didn't. Um, so he spends five months in jail. Ooh. And he's pissed kind of naturally. And then once he gets out, his behavior becomes more and more bizarre. Um, uh, he starts to send letters to the elders of the church Mm-mm. going, it's a little something like this. I will not mess about any longer. I am going for the kill. I gave up everything I owned and was chased, hounded, tracked down, jailed, starved, and insulted, not only by my enemies, but by the church itself. I don't want a pat on the head or a paw shake. I want blood. I want to go after my false accusers now and bring them to dishonor. Wait, that's from the bison or from... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's from... That was a letter written by a bison. (laughs) He He shoved a pencil in his hoof. I was just like, no, I'm sorry, I'm pissed. I'm saying it. I'm going to finally fucking tell them how I actually feel being a Mormon. Bison. Shit, dude. Yeah, so the bishop of the church gets this letter, and he's like, hey, everybody, ixnay on the Albert Ray guy. Um, don't talk to him anymore. Literally tells everybody we have to stop associating with this person. Right, right. He's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And there were two young men who were missionaries. Um, their names were Gary Darley, who was 20 years old, and Mark Fisher, who was 19 years old. And they had been having dinner with Robert for since he moved to town, basically. They mm-hmm. were kind of like um, the LDS kind of welcome wagon, and they would kind of go visit him. Mm-hmm. And because, of course, he's a creep in the trailer behind the taxidermy shop, he doesn't have a phone. Um, uh-uh. he, just, he just yells at that slatted window when he needs to communicate with people. So uh, they tell the bishop, okay, well, we're just going to go visit him one more time. He just said, don't talk to him anymore. Yeah, but, um, you know, <laughs> rebellious Mormon <laughs> missionaries, that, oh, they'll just say, fuck you right to your face. <laughs> so on October 28th, 
1974, Gary Darley and Mark Fisher go out to the taxidermy shop. Um, they go to the trailer for, um, for one last visit, and they're never seen alive again. Oh. Um, so because everybody knew that Bob Cleason was the last person uh, that would have seen them alive, the police question him about where he thinks the boys could be. And first he tells the police they never got to his house for dinner that he has no idea uh-huh. um, but of course then he's asked again and he changes his story and says that there's a Mormon conspiracy against him and that he's being set up that's the one yeah that's the answer I should have gone with first sorry yeah. that's my real answer and then then they bring it up again and he says actually um, there's a judge in this town who is a war criminal and I as ex-CIA have information about him therefore he is trying to silence me uh-uh. that's not it either yeah and Slowly, the cops are backing toward the door, like trying to feel for the doorknob behind them. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Oh. You don't say. A war criminal, you say. <laughs> I'm gonna go check something in my car. I would. How about a scene in a horror movie where a cop just goes up into a high girl voice because he's so fucking scared? Um, okay, Bob. <laughs> See you in a bit. Actually, in this Real Stories, which is it's a great episode of Real Stories about this guy, there is this amazing cop. Austin um, PD, who says he was 24 years old when he Holy first met this shit. guy, and he said he's the scariest human being he's ever been around because <gasps> he came in real like he almost talked like almost babyish, where he'd be like, "Oh, I don't know," and uh, yeah, he kind of talked like that. Ugh. And then if you pissed him off, he would turn, and they said his face would change and his eyes would change, <gasps> and all of a sudden he was the scariest person you ever saw. Mm, I yeah. don't like that. I know. So then. Here's what happened. Listen. Oh, okay. They arrest him. Um, I just said that part. (laughs) So they go to the trailer, and they do the search, and outside they find um, uh, Fisher's ID tag with a Mm. bullet hole in it. (gasps) Then inside the trailer, they find both of the boys' bloody watches. So they they are like, this is not good. Um, They also then see... Cleason has this shooting range that's set up in the backyard, Great. and then a bunch of people that know Cleason say, oh yeah, here's a thing he likes to do, is he, he invites you over to the shooting range, like you're gonna shoot, and he'll go, look at me, I'm this expert shot, and he'll do all his shots, and you're supposed to go down and get the target thing, and go bring it back, don't, don't do that. and multiple people <gasps> said that they would go down to get the target, and when they turned around, he was standing there <gasps> aiming the gun at them, and that was like his funny joke that's that hilarious. he liked to pull on people. Really solid comedy. So, <laughs> so the police are now like, this is clearly how he murdered these two boys. Yeah. Um, then also inside the trailer, they find a, a, he, it's like he's trying to write a book. It's a manuscript Uh-oh. called A Thousand White Tales, a poacher's manuscript. And it is hund- uh, hundreds of pages of him describing in detailed writing how to kill, dress, and dispose of animal carcasses. Uh. What if you had to read that? Like, you had to. Don't do it. I just, I would just get through it. You know what I mean? I would just do it. Yeah, I just do my job. I guess that's the right answer. Yeah. That wasn't a great, that wasn't a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong. Stephen, edit that out. <laughs> Stephen, turn that part up louder. I think it was powerful. A powerful moment of honesty. <laughs> I'm Irish Catholic, therefore I'd shut down all my emotions and just get the job done. <laughs> that's how I'm that's how I made it to age 48. Thank you. <laughs> Shut up.
Shut it down, press it down. Don't think about it till you're crying in the grocery store and you don't know why. You don't know why. <laughs> it's over. I'm like halfway uh, through this. I'm so sorry. That was this is amazing. Forever. No, I love it. Okay. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's. I lost. Now I don't know where I am. But Austin. this is a little bit random. This information is going to reset all of our taste buds to the horror that we're actually okay. living in right now. Shh. Stop it. No, I'm going to stop it first, everyone. and then everyone else can stop it. Okay. He. <laughs> This guy has been married three times. What? All these women have left him, and the most recent one left him because she walked into the bathroom and he was taking a bath with a disemboweled deer. And I will always love you. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing! Why isn't this a singing podcast? <laughs> Why isn't this an insanity podcast? <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, okay. That's fucking disgusting. It's the worst. And then just the visual. It's the worst. Because then you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. And then flashes of what you just saw. Yeah, yeah. Never stopping. But is it wrong that I'm trying to think like, well, he must have been terrible before that. Because if I saw Vince doing that, I don't know if I'd immediately leave him. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely want to hear the story first. Yeah. Like, what if he wasn't taking a bath with right. the disemboweled deer? What if he fell into the right. bathtub full of water? Sure. And she was probably like, yep, this is, this is old Robert. Yes. But I'd be like, this isn't Vince. This, this is not like him. This isn't like him. Why would he put bubbles into this bath? <laughs> So something must have else been... I'm going to guess something else. I bet something else. I bet, like, his funny game of pulling guns on people. Yeah. Vince in the back is like, I can finally live my life, <laughs> my real life. She'll accept me oh. for who I am. And then there's a deer standing next to him like, what? What's the... <laughs> what'd you say what? the plan was? <clears throat> okay. So once the police put all this horrifying information together, they send a forensic team to investigate the taxidermy studio. And this is where the connection to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes in mm. because they end up finding um, hair that matches the two young missionaries uh, and human blood and tissue on the bandsaw that's oh. in the taxidermy studio. Fuck. And they also find um, their hair behind the shop in this bin behind the shop where the employees disposed of the unused animal parts. Uh. And so then the police put together that basically he killed these boys and then got rid of their bodies um, by basically dismembering them and getting rid of anything that would have looked human so that he could put it into that taxidermy bin. So it's the, wor the worst of the worst. Um, so the state only has circumstantial evidence. They only have all that stuff that they found in and around the taxidermy um, uh, place and his um, trailer. Mm -hmm. So, but they go to trial anyway in 1975 and he is found guilty of murder and the jury immediately gives him the death penalty. Hold, hold, don't do it. Don't <laughs> fall for it. You must know that there's more to come yeah. and it's not good. 
It's actually the worst. In 1977, he's on death row for two years no. when the appeals court finds that the search warrant used <gasps> to look through his trailer was defective, is the word that no. I cut and paste. So who wrote that? That's not... The search warrant was defective, and so the bloody watches, the name tag, Shut. the hideous manuscript are all inadmissible. Oh, no, yes. judge, whatever your name is. Why? So his conviction is overturned, and the authorities are like, it's too big of a risk to retry him when we don't have any of this um, uh, evidence. So instead, they bring him up on weapons charges in Buffalo from when he shot the guy in the foot. Fuck! And he gets... <laughs> the death penalty no nope, sure it. doesn't uh-huh. he gets nine years in a prison in buffalo yes and secretly austin's like well at least he's not here anymore <laughs> um <clears throat> so he goes to jail he's in jail in buffalo and while he's there he signs up for a thing called international pen friends no <laughs> yeah and he begins exchanging letters with a widow named Marie Longley, who lives in the very British-sounding town of Barton-upon-Humber. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? It's up in the northeast of England, and he explains to Marie, of course, that he is a Korean decorated war veteran who is also a college professor, teaches literature to prisoners, and that's why all the pictures he sends her are from the inside of a prison. Shut up. Yes. Yes. Shit. And they make me wear the prison blues. I I just try to blend in to make them want to learn from me. Yeah. Um, So... He gets her more and more to reveal all of the details of her life, like um, that she is a policeman's widow. She, so she makes a pension, she owns her own house, and she has a modest but stable income. And he's like, ding, 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 I'm in love. Um, so in 1988, he's released from prison. Ah! Yes. The city of Buffalo, of course, doesn't want him, and it's sweeps week also, the week he gets released. So literally, reporters just follow him around town. Yeah. He gets released from prison. He has nowhere to go, and reporters are just like, how do you feel by how nobody wants you here and you need to leave immediately? Nuh-uh. Yeah. Oh. I just want to show that he he wore the MAGA hat first. That's him. That's him. A ridge. Just saying. Oh. No way. They get married? That's Marie. Look at, he looks like the fattest vampire of all time in this picture. <laughs> he does. Like, you're only drinking blood. What are oh, yeah. you? Oh, my God. And also, he, that is a medal that yeah. is not his. Yeah, yeah. He's wearing fucking lunatic. Okay. Oh, I'm scared. It's scary. So... Um, essentially, the people, the, the city officials in Buffalo are like, we want him out. People start petitions. Um, at one point, he tells a reporter, I'm not the monster that they portrayed. He has this b- weird little baby voice. And if they dig a little deeper, why, they'll find out I'm just an average sort of guy. He has that really irritating Midwest accent where yeah. you're like, you're fucking hiding something, you old weird Dracula. <laughs> so... This deer comes around the corner and it's like, he's fucking lying. He's a lunatic. He took a bath with my cousin once. (laughs) My cousin's in his bathroom. Follow me. (laughs) Deer standing on his hind legs going, yelling out to the people of Buffalo. Don't believe him. Fucking listen to me, you idiots. 
Okay. Robert waits out his parole, and then he uh, writes to Marie in England and says, I'm going to come and visit you. And she's like, that sounds okay, pen pal. Uh-huh. Then she starts getting dozens of boxes sent to her house. It's filled with all of his shit. Uh-huh. And literally garbage. Like, they open one thing, and her, Marie's friend Liz says that there's just some macaroni in a tin. Like, he's just sending... <laughs> He just boxed up a bunch of shit and is like, I'm moving to Marie's. Shit. So she likes him fine at first. Everyone's like, he was super nice to her and he was just nice. And, you know, he was this war veteran and everybody liked him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, told them, of course, he won the Purple Heart and the Congressional Medal of Honor. And that he had a girlfriend in Canada who was really into him. Um, <laughs> Within four months, they're married. That was that Whoa. picture I just showed you. Then he starts joining the local gun clubs in her little British town, which is like, there must have been one. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and he also starts hoarding guns and ammunition. Um, he applies for a gun permit to buy and sell guns. Um, he gets so many guns that he has to knock out a wall in Marie's upstairs area so it's just one big room full of guns uh-uh, uh-uh. it's so many guns for england <laughs> it's like i think he collected every gun in england and he's just like i got them all let me know what you need um so of course british marie is getting the full-on gun creeps from this guy uh-huh. um and then he starts doing it because then the mask drops away of course and he has his um horrible anger and stuff and then he starts doing things where he's cleaning his gun and then he just <gasps> aims it at her uh. that old thing he loves to do so she's like honeymoon over <clears throat> you weren't like this in your letters um then, of course, the domestic abuse comes. At one point, um, she starts locking herself in the back bedroom and just, like, living back there and she'll only come out Hi. when he's gone or just, like, if it's necessary. Um, so after a while, at the gun club, the mask comes off because he ends up living in this town for 10 years. Jesus. Yeah. So at first, everything's fine, but he can't, yeah. he can't, he can't handle it. They end up nicknaming him Odd Bob, which is like, you fucking gotta love the British because even in the face of like serial killers, they're just like, okay, Odd Bob, kill some some more people. Um, He, he of course, has all his ex-CIA claims. They're like bullshit. Um, One time he parks illegally and one of the fellow gun club members comes out and is like, move your fucking car. He gets into his car, sits there, sits there, that comes out with a double barrel shotgun, holds it in the guy's face. It's like Elmer Fudd style. Yes. (laughs) A little flag comes out that says bang. Yeah. He says to the guy, if we were in Texas, I'd kill you right now. Holy shit. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, all the British people are like, oh my... We don't do this here. So they start, they want him gone. And um, so this local gun shop owner named Tony Fox, who's in this real story special, he starts digging around. He writes a letter to the American Medal of, uh, Medal of Honor Society. Mm-hmm. Um, this is who, how you Googled back then. That's exactly right. <laughs> Just long letters. Yeah. And also, could you look up the capital of Wisconsin for me? <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different issue. But I would be a great favor. Um, they write back and tell Tony that Bob Cleason's military honors are all bullshit. And um, so they finally have a reason to ask him to leave the gun club. Mm-hmm. Um, when this happens, uh, Tony is the one that confronts him. And Bob says, if you tell anybody else about this, I'll kill you. <gasps> and like, you won't see me coming because I'm fucking ex-CIA ninja <laughs> Dracula. So... <laughs> 
of course, and he says, like, and you can't tell the police. And Tony's like, sounds great, mate. And he'd already <laughs> told the police every single Oops. thing he knew. Um, so the police come to um, Bob and Marie's home, and they run his name through Interpol. They find out about the prior offenses and the gun law violations. Um, so they raid Maria's ha- house, and they confiscate 42 guns. Wow. And the police say that when they took the guns out of the house, Bob sat down in a chair and cried for five hours. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Wept. Wept over his, okay. Wept like an only child. (laughs) (laughs) So, so then... When all this happens, Marie's friend Liz Butterfield, who, who features prominently in this real stories episode, Lizzie. she rules. Love She's her. the greatest. She, uh, she finds out from Marie that Bob has moved a bandsaw into their kitchen. Mm-mm, that's not where bandsaws go. It doesn't belong in the kitchen. No. And it's also the same thing that they found yeah. all the DNA on in um, the taxidermy shop. So Liz is like, all right, we need to, everybody yeah, needs to buckle down. time to, yeah. yeah. So what she does is she gets her son who knows how to use the computer and she's like, look this fucker's name up. Oh, Help finally. us with the internet. <laughs> Because it's like the year fucking 2000 or whatever, and oh. everyone was still scared to touch electric things. <laughs> so the son looks it up. They find out all of his police records. He's like, they didn't even realize you could do that. And they find not just the ones in Buffalo, but the, mm-hmm. the, um, the fact that he was on death row Jesus. in Texas. And everyone shits a brick. Liz goes over, <laughs> but very politely because they're British. <laughs> Liz goes over, she tells Marie, you're married to a murderer. She says she can't leave because he says he's going to kill me mm-hmm. if I try to leave him. Three days later, Marie disappears. No! So everybody in this town, up ten upon down ten, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're scared that he's killed her. But actually it turned out that, that after all that happened, Marie and Liz fucking put this plan into place CIA style and they fucking snuck the fuck out of there they tell him that they're go they're putting together a jumble sale and they put all her shit in plastic like grocery bags and they're just lining it up like oh this is all the stuff for the jumble sale it's all her shit and then Liz just comes by one morning like we're off to the jumble sale Uh and he's like see you later (laughs) and they load up that fucking car and drive her away to a safe house yes it, it actually takes the police five days to find her because they were so fucking serious. They're like, oh, we no. don't tell anyone. They didn't tell anybody. Holy shit, dude. Um, it's so awesome. So uh, when the poli- police get back to the cottage, they find two more illegal weapons, one of which is an assassin's rifle that has a silencer on it. Is it in a briefcase? It's, <laughs> it's wearing its own little beige raincoat. <laughs> So they arrest him again, and they let him out on bail. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't even know. Um, so he goes back to the house, uh, and he immediately starts writing another pen pal. Nuh-uh. For real. And so he finds a German woman that he now begins romancing. <sighs> And the, the cops are watching him and, like, following him around. He's somehow gotten this German woman to come to that town. So they're driving around in this van filled with Marie's furniture and this new woman that they're like, holy shit. Um, 
they uh, they finally the the sentence goes through and he has to go to jail for three years. Um, but then one year later, so he's in jail, and then a year later, uh, because it's 2001, and suddenly there's DA, DNA. DNA evidence everywhere. So they go back and they um, pull a jumpsuit that they had found, the cops had found in a can um, outside the taxidermy thing, mm-hmm. and they test all of the blood that was on the front of this jumpsuit, and um, it it has Gary Darley and Mark Fisher's blood on it, and they finally Ugh. have the proof that Robert Cleason is the one who killed them. Oh my God. And that means they can retry him for those murders. Yay. So the UK agrees to extradition, and then Robert Cleason on April 21st, 2003, dies oh. of a heart attack. What a dick. Right? At the age of 69. Nice. And that is the insane, horrible story of the not really real Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Robert Elmer Gleason. That was excellent. Sorry, it was so fucking long. Good. Sorry, so good. How the fuck am I gonna... (laughs) Wow. That was... Horrible. Yeah. And great. And yet. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, made-in cookware. Made-in was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made-in. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit 
visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to do the murder of Stephen Robards. Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to go right at the top. I got a shitload of this info from a great article by our, from the Texas Monthly by our best friend, Skip Skip Hollinsworth. The greatest. Love him. Give that man a podcast. For real. All right. So this dude, Stephen Robards and Beth uh, Lomer fall in love in high school in in Fort Worth, Texas in the 70s. Fort Worth in the 70s was gorgeous. (laughs) Beige, beige, beige. Mm. Mm -hmm. They get married in 1974, whatever, uh, when Beth was just 18. Two years later, they have a daughter, and they name her Dorothy, Dorothy Marie, but she goes by Marie. Um, and uh, but their relationship ended pretty quickly in 1980. Beth got tired of her husband's behavior. It, it, would, it alludes to the fact that he might have had uh, been bipolar, but he ha- would have jealousy issues, temper tantrums. It doesn't matter. They break up. Um, and when Marie was about three, and so uh, about a year later, when Marie is about four, Beth gets remarried to a dude named Frank. He's an ex an ex Navy officer. Blah blah blah. Uh, the, and then three of them moved to Granbury. Granbury? Granbury. Is it a town that was built around a really huge berry? <laughs> Granbury. It's about 35 miles outside of Fort Worth. Um, and at first, Marie is close with her stepfather, and, and they fucking get along. She even starts to call him dad. And her real father, Stephen, who, Stan, who visits... Um, <laughs> She visits him a couple of times a month back in Fort Worth. She starts calling him, which he had to love this, Stephen Dad. Ew. Yeah. Sorry. She was an only child? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. So Marie and her mother are extremely close, almost in an unhealthy way. They're more like sisters, that sort of thing. And it seems like Marie had this really strong bond to her mom. And as she enters high school, she, uh, t- she turns out to be this really, really smart girl. She gets really good grades. She, uh, you know, doesn't mouth off. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but she, all the teachers loved her. She, you know, she, she excelled. Um, and then a week before her 16th birthday, everything changes when Marie comes home early and finds her stepdad, Frank, in fucking bed with another woman. Oh, no. Yeah, who he had been having an affair with. She tells her mom, Beth, and um, ultimately Beth fucking blames herself and her crazy work schedule is like, I'm staying with him. And so from that point on, Marie fucking hated Frank and there was all this crazy tension in the house. Um, so eventually she refuses to live with them and she leaves home and goes to stay with her grandparents and is just angry. <laughs> but fucking Frank was like, well, I have this rule that if any of, he had a, a kid too, if you ever leave the house and say you want to move out, you can't come back in. And he was like really strict about it. Oh, so he's strict about rules that he sets. Right. But like the rules of the Lord don't matter. Right. Okay. Frank, if that is your real name. Right. Sounds good. He seems like a dick. I mean, it seems like the, the perfect uh, how you don't parent teenagers <laughs> rules unless they're your stepchildren. And then whatever you want is fine. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm a child of divorce, obviously. 
<laughs> We're working with a lot of shit up here tonight. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, of course, as any teenager who fucking went off in a huff, changes her fucking mind five days later and tries to come home, and Frank's like, you can't fucking come back here. And Marie's best friend, her mom, is like, I, I felt like I had to choose between the two of them. And it, ultimately, she chose her fucking cheating-ass husband. Gross. I know. And so uh, Marie is devastated and um, she ends up going to move with her dad in in Fort Worth um, into his one-bedroom apartment and uh, uh, have you guys <laughs> divorced out apartments? I have <laughs> everything is beige, Aww. carpets, just like my dad would have. Uh, you had to get hand me down furniture, so like he'd have um, like someone else's old patio furniture as his indoor furniture. Oh no, <laughs> it's kind of depressing. Love was, you, dad. Was it's, there bird shit on it or anything? No bird like shit. That? Okay, he was, my dad was very clean, a neat freak. <laughs> Um, and then uh, so she went to live with him but Steve, Stephen was really happy to have his daughter there a chance to connect with her he tried really hard to make her happy she began attending high school in town in Fort Worth and at that point Stephen had gotten his life together after the divorce he was in a relationship with a woman who lived in this building she was a single mom they had met at Parents Without Partners oh yeah <laughs> wonderful organization <laughs> yeah <laughs> He was going to a local church. He got a good job as a mail carrier and was stoked to have his daughter with him. Um, but, of course, Marie uh, was heartbroken that her mom had fucking ditched her. It's the worst. And she didn't like living in her dad's house. She wrote to her mom and called every night complaining about her new school, that her father uh, had no homemaking skills, that he had few kitchen utensils. <laughs> I identify with. because ha- <laughs> We just keep losing forks. <laughs> Where are they going? What if Stephen steals one? fork every time he stays at my house <laughs> just to fuck with us we kind of rad I do I do that all the time it's always teaspoons uh-huh. and then I find them all in the backseat of my car <laughs> because I eat yogurt on the way to oh. work as I drive and then when I'm done I'm like <laughs> see you later at least it's not out the window though <laughs> teaspoon out the window hit a motorcycle cop now I'm arrested <laughs> Um, I'll come to prison and get you. You would? I would. The kugel. The kugel. You're forcing me to eat kugel. Eat that kugel. Georgia, <laughs> I'm in prison. Okay. It turns out they serve kugel in here too. Yeah. Um, said that she, he didn't clean the apartment and Marie, so he was trying to get a two bedroom apartment in the building but in the meantime she had to sleep on a rollaway bed in the dining room well, and so she was pissed off about that. Sure. Um, been there. And uh, sorry, she's fifteen. She's 15, sixteen at this point. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah you, and need, like, you need your own room. Sixteen-year-olds hate their parents, no matter what they do, yeah. right? Yes. So, um, and Marie even sent her mom a letter telling her that she was thinking about suicide. But old our friend old Beth over here was like, I just thought she was being dramatic, and that she was typical teenage angst. Stop. Bye. I'm gonna go hang out with my husband. Uh, I um, don't like that mom at I all. I don't either. But I'm not supposed to say that. Yeah, let's okay. Let's not say it. Um. So things start to settle down finally, and she starts to uh, excel at school, at her new school again, and she's doing really well. She's one of those kids that reminds me of the the type that are super eager to please because everything around them is chaos, and they don't want to be the one fucking things up, so they're like, I'm going to fucking make sure there's not a single thing about me that they can be mad about. I don't get that. (laughs) That was not me. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to fuck everything up, (laughs) and I'm going to laugh in your face when you're mad at it. 
Goodbye. <laughs> That's when baby Georgia picks up that meth pipe and she's like, let's do this. I'm uh-huh, throwing spoons out the window. <laughs> Shooting up, then the meth, <laughs> then the spoon out the window. Um, but, 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 but. Okay, wait. Things are still down. She goes with, and then excellent grades, etc. She starts to settle in. Um, <laughs> then, then out of the blue, on February 18th, 1993, Marie turns up on uh, Stephen's new lady friend's door. That's what my dad calls the girl, called the girls he was dating, the lady, lady, lady friends. friends. Oh, I've got a new lady friend. I, um, I had a boyfriend who tried to call me that once, and I just <gasps> left the store that we were in. <laughs> Why did he do that? I, don't, I guess he was uncomfortable with the word girlfriend, yeah. and then I just stared at him, and I walked out and got in the car and left. It's just like... No. Here's the thing. You don't have to call me anything, but if you're going to call me something, lady friend is not fucking it, dude. Was it my dad? (laughs) That's... I dated Marty for seven wonderful months. (laughs) Oh, no. And now I'm your stepmother. Clean your room. I'm going to call you Karen, Mom. (laughs) Clean your room. Making the worst microwave, like, lean cuisines for everybody. Sit down, children. (laughs) There's no utensils. (laughs) Also, we're adults. Why do we have to eat here? (laughs) There's so many questions. Okay. So, oh, okay. So, out of the blue, February 18th, 1993, Marie knocks on lady friend's door, and she's like, my dad's sick. Stephen had come home from church after dinner complaining of a stomach ache. Um, and so, Marie babysat the, young, the lady friend's young son, and she, rushed, well, she rushes over to find Stephen in bed complaining he was getting stiff in his arms and legs. He couldn't swallow well. Mm-mm. And then there was saliva coming up through his mouth. Um, she calls an ambulance, and uh, he's, Stephen's foaming at the mouth. Bad. And yeah, and, just, and the paramedics try to get an oxygen tube down his throat to keep him alive, but his throat's completely closed up. He ends up dying at just 38 years old. Shit. And they, according to the coroner, Stephen died of a heart attack. A throat attack? (laughs) Yeah. The end of the story. No. Oh, well. So, yeah. So fucking Stephen dies. With her father dead, Marie is now eventually moves in with... um, She tries to move in with her mom in Florida because they were going to leave Frank. Then Frank comes back. Fucking Beth takes him back again. So eventually Marie ends up uh, moving in with her grandparents, her dad's parents in Mansfield near Fort Worth. Um, There she enrolls at Mansfield High School. The the fighting... Potted plants. (laughs) Damn it. That was good. (laughs) Imagine fighting potted clay. Shards of clay pot. Yeah. All in your football pads. (laughs) Their mascots, just a big ficus. (laughs) Just the angriest ficus in all of Home Depot coming to get you. Ficus, fuck you. Why aren't more high school cheers ending in fuck you these days? That's, that's what it's all about. Someone start that, please. St- please. Um, Express yourself. She now becomes, again, a really great student. And, but then, in their senior year, Marie meets a new best, bestie, best girlfriend. She comes super close with this chick, fucking no joke, named Stacy High. Oh, uh, hi. Hey, like H-I-G-H. Yes. 
Good for her. Um, <laughs> Stacy is a really popular student. Her parents had divorced as well, and that wasn't really a normal thing in their school, so she was like, wanted to get to know uh, Marie. She said that Marie was one of the most mature girls she had ever met. Like, Stacy liked to go out and party, and Marie was like super studious, and Stacy was like, maybe this will run off, rub off on me. Great. <laughs> um, the two become super close, but Stacy says she always feels like Marie is holding back from her. Oh, here's the, that photo of um, our friend Marie. Oh, okay. In the fucking most amazing time of our lives. Is, I mean, is, did she craft that jacket out of pure sorrow or what? <laughs> it's so, it's so. It's trying to be like, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. Right. Yeah. But she, she looks all, yeah, whatever. Okay. She's very pretty, obviously. That was them. Yeah. I don't remember what the next one is. Oh, that's her and her dad. Um. Yeah. Look at him. Look at his socks. <laughs> they looked mismatched, but that's just the shadow. Yeah. He didn't wear a light blue and a white sock. They're still, they're still, he's such a, he's just such like he's a dad. He's just a dad. He's a total 38-year-old dad. Totally. All right. So, um, so. Stacy and Marie, uh, Marie won't open up to Stacy, but they spent a lot of time working on the school yearbook together, hanging out, besties, etc. Then, in January 94, Marie and Stacy are studying Hamlet. Um, and Stacy has a favorite scene in Hamlet, like as all high school students do. <laughs> I don't know. I've never cracked one of those fucking books. Never! <laughs> and Stacy, this is how the fucking story goes. And we're like, Stacy, what really happened? Because you did not re- recite a, silico- a soliloquy of the, the Danish monarch Claudius who poisoned his brother. Uh. She's, she's like, let me, let me recite to you my favorite part, Stacy says. <laughs> and she recites this part about Hamlet, you know, getting on. Getting kill, killing her father and am I going to be okay and all this shit I didn't yeah. read it <laughs> uh, that was the Cliff's Notes version yeah and Stacy's like well, what'd you think of that Marie and Marie's fucking sobbing and she's like uh you okay dude and Marie uh she said Marie's hand uh, started Marie turned pale her hands were trembling she begins to weep and then fucking confesses to Stacy that she killed her father what yep the girl with the jacket. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Po- poison? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's right. Um, she tells her what happened was they, she's fucking getting aces in fucking chemistry class. She finds a bottle marked with a skull and crossbones and the word poisonous on it and pours oh. it into a napkin. Sorry, none of that happened. That's... <laughs> No, absolutely not. <laughs> this is not. the 90s, so they're like, go ahead and handle poison, everyone, at your own risk. Let's see. At this high school, we're going to line the poison bottles up over here, <laughs> and you can check them out, uh, but please fill out this form. But she's also, like, a really good student, so it's possible she got, like, she was able to, like, come and go as she pleased, maybe she's had like, access. Hey, can I get into a poison closet? I'm really <laughs> mature. I love Hamlet and shit. <laughs> can I just... <laughs> get a couple sips thank you (laughs) well somehow she got it poured it into a napkin brought it home and fucking slipped it into her father's refried beans and their make take out mexican food yeah he he was the good one yeah fuck yeah um she said uh she she said she she confessed that she had murdered her father by poisoning him stacy she's like you got to keep it a secret and stacy's like great 
I just like Hamlet and partying. I kind of want to get in an okay college. She's like one of those cops. Okay, I'll be right back. Yeah. Doorknob, 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 doorknob. <laughs> That's right. Give this, me one second. Give me a minute. Before I keep that secret. No, I don't want a bite of your food. <laughs> uh... Stacy promises to keep Marie's secret, does so for weeks, but she's fucking tormented by guilt. She's having nightmares eventually. She's like, I, I uh, was so bothered by the idea that Marie might be a totally different person than she thought she was, meaning I think she's going to fucking kill me too. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And Stacy eventually tells the police. Um, but, okay, while the police investigate, which I think takes like eight fucking months, they still have to go to school together. Oh, no. And I don't know, I don't think Marie knows yet that, that, that Stacy told. So Stacy's like, you know what? I'm going to quit the yearbook staff and kind of starts to distance herself from her. And Marie's like, why every time you talk to me, do you not move your mouth? This is weird. <laughs> Welcome no, to Europe. Everything's great. We're, I, we're great. You're, you're secrets. Here. It's perfect. I'll tell you one too. I, you, let's share Doritos. <laughs> let's share Doritos. <laughs> That's all of high school to me. Oh, sharing Doritos? Yeah. And those donuts, those packages of donuts. <laughs> That's for me. Some donut gems? Yeah. Shit, girl. Those were good, the crumb ones. Okay. Um, the crumb ones will make you choke, by the way. <laughs> That's just a public service announcement. Don't eat two crumb donuts in a row or you will die. It's true. Uh, They're so dry. We're doing the Lord's work on this <laughs> we podcast. We're getting the word out to people about... <laughs> Ch- choking hazards. <laughs> Hello. Okay, eventually, so they have to pretend they're friends still. Uh, Stacy is losing her shit. Poor Stacy. Uh, she eventually goes to an after school program at a private psychiatric treatment center in Mansfield, and she's like, um, I need some help. My yeah. life is swirling down the fucking toilet right yes. now. Yes. So uh, it takes eight months for tests for the testing to be done to see what kind of fucking poison because to de- detect the poison, it's a specialized fifteen thousand no hundred and fifty thousand dollar machine oh. uh, is required. Which the medical examiner, who was like Mr. Old Heart Attack back there a couple <laughs> years ago, he didn't have that machine. No, so he he's didn't. just like heart attack, heart, heart attack, attack, everyone. <laughs> Great. There's a knife in someone's eye. I don't know. I feel like the heart stopped at some point. I'm I'm just going to better write it down. He's a bison with a a pen between his heart attack. It seems to me this person died of a heart attack. I was going to try to make a bison sound. I have no fucking clue. Nobody knows. No, no one knows what a bison. No one knows. It's a mystery. They've all been rustled. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, they finally find out that it's barium acetate, and it's uh, 250 times the amount that's usually found in a person's blood. I guess we have that in us. It's found in poor Stephen. Um, And so at this point, Marie's in fucking a freshman at the University of Texas here in Austin. Oh, shit. The... The flying... The fighting bass players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they love to fight with each other. Really? That's not how get you do you it. Out of here. <laughs> I'm gonna get you out of here. Yeah. That's the song. Yeah, 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 that's the one. And they're gonna beat you in football. Yeah. Uh, at the Austin <laughs> police station, 
Marie just admits to killing her father. Good. Just make it quick. Yeah. Get it over with. Um, and she's re- they're like, what did he do to you? Please give us a reason why you would have killed him. Please tell us he molested you because we can't fucking deal with this. And yeah. she's like, he was great. He never did anything uh, wrong. He, ne- he didn't. And so she says that her motive was that um, she believed her father's death was the only way she could return to live with her mom. Uh, and she said, quote, I just wanted to be with my mom so bad that I would do anything to be with her. So this chick has fucking got some... She's been this it, poor, it's but the also... worse. Yeah. Um, I, when you're 16, you never want to be with your mom. No. Everything your mom does, you're like, ugh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, eye rolls! Yeah. Like, it's so sad. Yeah. So clearly there was not some, the way you're supposed to grow up. Something going on. Yeah. Um, and it came, it, when her mom found out about the death of her ex before knowing that her daughter did it, she was like, it's, it sucks because I was actually about to come get you and move us to Florida in a week, and I just hadn't told you yet. Yeah. Um, Marie's like, bitch. Yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Beth said, if only I had told Marie one week earlier, which is like, none of this would have ever happened. If Uh, only you had been a normal mom. If only. No, it's not her fault. I'm sorry. No, it's not her fault. It's not her fault. I have mom issues. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're working some shit out. Uh, uh, Let us do it. They used the life insurance money that Marie received after Stephen's death. 60 grand to hire two veteran Fort Worth defense attorneys Mm -hmm. whose strategy was to convince the jury that Marie didn't know that she just wanted to get her dad sick so she could move back. That was what they said, thinking it would lead to a lighter sentence of manslaughter rather than murder. But Marie, who was 19 by this time, uh, there she goes. Um, 19 by the time she went to trial in 1995, uh, she sobbed quietly throughout much of the trial. Um... And then uh, Jim Roberts, who was Stephen's dad, her fucking grandpa, took the stand oh. and was like, uh, said that Marie should be forgiven and offered a probationary sentence. Oh. He was like, it wasn't her fault. I know. It's so sad. In the end, the defense plan didn't work, and Marie was convicted of murder and sentenced to 28 years in prison, but she was released on parole for good behavior after eight years in 2003. And she changed her name and is now uh, in living. Here tonight. Come on. <laughs> That's right. Get out here, Bridget. <laughs> and that is the murder of Stephen Robards. Oh, that's so sad. I know. That's that thing, too, when, like, you're a teenager and you're, you have a lot of anxiety or stress or whatever, and then you come to these decisions and it's like, yeah. everything's black and white. It's a half to this or that, yeah. and there's no other option. That's right. That's what And my you therapy- don't understand, like, consequences yet completely because your brain's not fully fucking formed and shit. Yeah. Uh, I know we actually don't, but do we have time for a hometown? Yeah, let's do a quick sure. one. <laughs> the last hometown. Oh, my God. I don't know what that says. Are those... Yeah. These are not Anderson's chairs. <laughs> They're not? No? They wouldn't sit in these things. <laughs> oh. Those are much more plush with a wider arm. Yeah, you're right. They usually <laughs> do a velvet yeah. number. Uh, also, I was following along. I don't know if you mentioned, but uh, Marie, the poison she got was from her high school chemistry class with a bottle that just had a skull and crossbones on it. I already said, <laughs> oh, <laughs> said, I said it was poison. Karen right, made fun of me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I'm going to go get the <laughs> Did he just mansplain my fucking murder to me? 
<laughs> That's husband's plane. Oh. <laughs> Vince has been getting into the Lone Star backstage. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, hometown. You guys know the rules, basically, but it's very important. Please let it be local. Definitely Texas, if not Austin. We don't give a shit about what happened to you in Arizona. And I'm not <laughs> fucking kidding. Um, you have to make it quick, beginning, middle, end. It's very important that you tell a good story. And it's very important that you tell it quickly, because if you get picked, everyone hates you. All right? Yeah. Georgia will now choose okay. the hometown murder. The last hometown murder. You, you uh, sitting down here, yeah, yeah. Ball tour. Here go we right go. that way, over there, where Vince is. That way. Someone yelled, she's sober. <laughs> <laughs> she's sober? And I'm like, no, she's not. Yeah. Uh, what does that uh, glow-in-the-dark thing say? I can't read it. What? Skull no. team. Okay. It's a new um, thing they have out there where people run around <laughs> in groups of five. Uh-huh. And they hold a skull. Oh. It's called skull team. It's hilarious. <laughs> Um, so guys, last hometown of 2018. God, so much pressure. Oh, last night, last night when we were in Atlanta, someone gave us um, a raisin cake with a pentagram on top of it. Just so you know, the kind of gifts we're getting. Hi, what's your name? Did you say Carrie? Carrie. Hi, Hi, Carrie, come come here. Come meet Georgia. Here, I take know, right? This. Take that microphone. And come over here. We're and then center up. Carrie, where are you from? I am from Fort Worth. Oh, Fort Worth! Fort Worth. Um, okay, so my story is about my cousin, Greg. Mm-hmm. And um, he lived in Louisville, which is about three hours from here. Okay. <laughs> Shout out. Um, they do that to every city. <laughs> Oslo. <laughs> they love it. So, um, Greg um, was dating a lady named Carol, and Carol, <laughs> Carol had um, been with a, a boyfriend named Earl, mm. Texas, you know, good Texas mm-hmm. boy name. Yeah. Um, Earl was abusive, not a good guy, and um, so when Greg started dating Carol, Earl, who was also a realtor got a key to her apartment, got a locksmith to to get a key to go into her apartment. And he went in, and they were in bed together. Greg and Carol, of course, they were dating or whatever. He got livid, so mad, he storms out. And my cousin Greg was a, a subcontractor, did construction on homes and such. He had gotten a message that someone wanted to, um, they needed some work done on a house, and it was an empty house. So Greg goes to meet this client at the empty house, and um, he's shot in the head and killed in the garage. So um, this was in the early 80s, and what better way to cover up a murder in the early 80s than to dump red paint on the floor and write 666 on the garage and make it look like a satanic Satanic ritual. Yeah, 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 that's right. So that's what happened, and and Earl put put my brother's body into his own truck, into Greg's truck, drove it out on on, um, 
I-35, parked it, put a flat tire on it, so he sat there for a couple days. And um, finally, you know, the police found him, and they kind of tied it back that it was Earl who had set it up, but unfortunately it was only circumstantial evidence that they could find, so uh, he was never prosecuted. Oh, Oh, shit. But here's what I'll say. You ladies have encouraged me and inspired me, and I I really want to reach out to the Louisville Police Department and ask their cold case division to look back into this because there have been so many developments. That's such a good idea. Thank you. You should do that. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you, ladies, very, very much. Thank Thank you. you. What an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Carrie, everybody, let's hear it. Great job. I have chills and I might was, cry. Yeah, I know, I know. That was really amazing. This is such a crazy community, you guys, that we all made. I can't believe it, this insane little thing that we had this fascination with by ourselves and watched all these TV shows that late at night about true crime and now we're all together like normal people <laughs> and realize how normal it is to have it in your life and in your family or just to be interested in it, but it, you're not a sick fuck for being interested in it. You're just... You know, human. Yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Um, yeah, we talk about this all the time, and we try to freshen it up and make it new for every show. But we really are—we're just flabbergasted at uh, the response that we've gotten for this podcast and the support and the community you guys have created for yourselves. You, you, you raise money. You fucking have get-togethers. You fight your own anxiety, and you meet new people, and you go out into the world. And you're taking back the world around you. And now you get to say what's weird. And you get to say what's allowed. And, um, you know, we get a lot of credit for that. But you're doing it for yourselves. And it's an amazing thing to see. So thank you you so, so much for being here with us. You too, Balcony. You too. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Uh, Tippy top. All the way to the top. Uh, yeah, it's really is, yeah. No, go ahead. This has been an amazing and yet another incredible tour with uh, these fucking awesome shows of our friends. We're so lucky. Thank you guys so much for coming and supporting us for almost three fucking years. Yeah, we we meet we get to meet people at the meet and greet, and sometimes they'll go like, "We came to see you in this show and this show, and we're coming tomorrow, and we went there last year, and it's just." We can't say it enough that it's just, it, we're having the best fucking time and it's really incredible that this is our job now. Thank you, guys. So thank you very much. Thank you. Very much. And Austin especially, this was a fucking amazing, <laughs> so great fun. show thank that you. we had the best time at. And thank what, you for what letting a perfect, us. Yeah. A perfect ending for this tour. That's, it's been amazing shows, but oh my God, what a huge high to end on. Yeah. Thank you so much. So stay sexy. And 